Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. And it's somewhere between 250,000 to 300,000 shortcakes that are sold during the event. I know that's a lot of whipped cream, a lot of strawberries, (laughs) a lot of cake or biscuit, depending on what you like. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Florida's strawberry season is one of the sweetest times of the year with you-pick fruit, roadside strawberry milkshake stands, and of course, the annual Florida Strawberry Festival. Today, we'll get the story of how itty-bitty Plant City became the winter strawberry capital of the world. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Plant City has bragging rights as the winter strawberry capital of the world. Its farms produce millions of berries each year. In fact, Hillsborough County, where Plant City is located, produces about 15% of the nation's strawberries and nearly all of our country's winter strawberries, according to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. But this wasn't always the case. Today, we'll learn how a single event more than 100 years ago put Plant City strawberries on the map. I recently chatted with Jennifer Morgan. She's a public relations and media representative for the Florida Strawberry Festival, which takes place March 3rd to 13th in Plant City. Jennifer explains how strawberries and the festival became such big business. I'm a native of Plant City. For 40 years, I was a strawberry farmer's daughter, so I've been in and around strawberries all my life. Um, We ate off the farm, so any kind of fruit and vegetable that you can think of, we took it out of the farm and took it to our table. So I know the importance of farming and how it affects a city like Plant City. Just to give you a little background on how we got the name, the Winter Strawberry Capital of the World, and most people don't realize it, It actually started back in the late 1800s. There was a big freeze. And shortly after that time, the farmers in the city of Plant City really struggled to produce citrus, which was really big at that time. We were um, an inland city. So we produced also on top of citrus, like logging materials, lumber, cattle, things like that. Those were the things that our farmers in this area were used to producing And after that big freeze, it was too challenging for those farmers to produce those things. 
So there was a small group of little trailblazers that started to plant berry plants. And they were shocked at how resilient those plants were to the frost and the cold weather. And so that's how it kind of started. And the other farmers just kind of jumped on board with them and they were like, wow, this is easy. And then strawberry farming just took off. And because we were a railroad city, we were able to ship those berries to five or six different points in the droves, like thousands of berries would come out of Plant City at that time, which was like, I think it was around like the 1920s is actually when we got the name because we were producing so many berries during that, that winter time and still are to this day. Wow. So it was a happy accident. It was, it was. And then that's kind of how the festival started because it was to celebrate that harvest because we became the winter strawberry capital world in the 1920s. And then the festival began in the 1930s, actually March, 1930 is when the festival began. Oh, very cool. Okay. I want to definitely zero in on the festival, but do you have any information about the types of strawberries we grow. I know you're a farmer's daughter. I honestly, I couldn't tell one strawberry from another, either it's good or bad, but are there particular varieties that do better here? There are. There used to be a variety that many people are familiar with. It was called a Sweet Charlie. It's a more popular, but there's plenty of different varieties. There's um, the Treasure, the Festival Berry, which was actually named after the festival. The Amarosa, which was an older type, but really it just depends on how the berry does during the season and it really changes and evolves over uh, time. These farmers, I've, I've got to give it to them. They have it figured out to a science because if one year one berry doesn't do well, they learn how to go with the changes and manipulate things and they'll derive a new berry and, and go with it. And it's, it's really amazing. Is there like a white one now? There is a pine berry. Um, that they actually just came out with this past year. And it actually tastes a lot like I'm told, because even though I'm a strawberry farmer's daughter and I work for the festival, I cannot bring myself to eat a white berry. I just can't do it. I kind of feel that way too. But I know that berries have to be sweet. You know, I remember eating the little green ones that came right out of the flower as a little girl. And I learned my lesson early on that you don't eat a berry that is not ripe. But they do say that this one actually tastes a lot like a pineapple. Oh, I like pineapple. So, you know, I'm never going to say never. But yes, there is a pine berry um, variation that just came out. So how would we even know which variation we're eating? I mean, when you go to the store, your apple would have a sticker on it to let you know this is a Granny Smith. This is a jazz apple or whatever. But how would you even know what berry you were eating? Which variety? Sometimes the shape of the berry is different. Some are more oblong and oval shaped. Some are more rounded. The taste of the berry, some are more, I don't want to say like bitter, but they have um, a less sweeter taste than others. And certain people prefer those. It's just like your sweet tea. Some people like it half and half. Some people like it really sweet. Just depends on, you know, what is pleasing to your palate. So it would be the shape, the taste, the size of the berry. What people don't know is that regardless of the size and the shape and the variety, all berries have around 200 seeds. Wow, that's a fun fact. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the festival. 
Okay. Um, you mentioned that it began as a way of celebrating the strawberry harvest, but who was really behind this? Who said, you know what, let's all get together in Plant City and eat some strawberry shortcake? Really, it was the farmers. They were so grateful in how the berries and the harvest had boosted the economy at that time that it really was just a celebration. It was a great way for us to really thank these little things that had created so much in such a little town in Plant City and really put us on the map. One thing that has stood the test of time for the festival that I really wanted to make sure and share about the festival was that uh, we could not be the festival that we are without the volunteers that live in this city. We have a substantial amount of people that come from near and far, sometimes take their vacations to come here and work or volunteer at the festival. And um, thousands of volunteers that help to put on this event. We have roving ambassadors, people that go around and talk to our guests. We have information folks. We have people that work in parking and people that help support our Bell City amusement ride. So we would not be the festival that we are without the volunteers. And at that time, there were a lot of people in this community that rallied around those farmers and the small group of directors that were there to help put on this little festival event. And that's kind of how this little piece of Americana has stood the test of time because of the people that live in Plant City and have just put, wrapped their arms around the festival and taken it in as their own. And what year did you say the festival began? 1930. Wow. So not too far away from the 100th anniversary. That'll be fun. I know. This will be 86 years this year. It's going to be really special when we hit that 100 mark. And we will. We will. You know, something like that, when you think it's been that long that we've been able to last, I think it's honestly because even though we're moving and changing and evolving, as most things have to, especially in this digital age, I think the one thing that has stood the test of time is the sense of community and how it brings people together. And I think just people in general, humans, appreciate that interaction, meeting people, talking to people, smiling, gathering together. You know, I think that's one thing that's really made the festival unique. Um, And this year's festival, our theme is number one for fun. So not that we think we're number one, but we really think that the industry that we're in Fairs and festivals, you know, they're that little slice of Americana. And we really feel like we have so much to offer the city that does so much for us and the world for that matter. Well, we look forward to it every year. You mentioned that the festival is moving, changing and evolving. How so? So paint a picture for me of what it would have looked like 86 years ago and what people would expect if they've never been to the modern Strawberry Festival. Well, um, 87 years ago was a lot of, I'll say, it's funny because I went and referenced our history book, a lot of black and white, a lot of penny voting and small stands uh, that reminiscent of a little lemonade stand where they're passing out strawberries and, and things of that nature, maybe even a junk tank. I can probably recall from one of the first few festivals, but now, you know, we partner with a large a multi-million dollar amusement group, Bell City Amusements, that comes here every year. We have world-class, legendary entertainers between Willie Nelson, Taylor Swift, Reba McIntyre, Blake Shelton, Mel Tillis, uh, more seasoned, but certainly Opry-worthy entertainers that get to come. This past year, as far as moving with the times, we've actually gotten to where we have a program, it's called Showworks, and our kids that participate in our ag program 
they can digitally log on and get messages. And, you know, we have to kind of move with the times and move where these kids are, you know, and being on their phones and being able to access things quickly certainly expedites those processes for us and helps us to be better um, at communicating with our stakeholders and the, the students that are uh, participating in our ag programs, which by the way, I will give us a little shout out here. Um, we have one of the top youth ag programs in the United States. I believe at one point we were ranked within the top five. It's, it's amazing. Again, I have to go back to the volunteers and the community stakeholders and the business owners in our community. They really come out for these kids that put so much effort into um, raising their livestock animals and um, their plants. And um, it really is a wonderful way that they give back to this industry. But yeah, so we're, we're moving and shaking and changing and just trying to keep up with everything. Yeah, that's a lot. And you gave a shout out to the army of volunteers who make it happen. Can you talk about why you need so many volunteers? Do you have any numbers on festival attendance or how much food is sold? I know the line for strawberry shortcake and the line just to get your car off of I-4. <laughs> that's got to yeah. be like astronomical right there. The traffic is pretty hefty in Plant City. <laughs> I believe um, a few years ago, some of the numbers were, I think we have between three and four shortcake vendors um, every year, typically. And it's somewhere between 250,000 to 300,000 shortcakes that are sold during the event. I know that's a lot of whipped cream, a lot of strawberries, <laughs> a lot of cake or biscuit, depending on what you like. This past year, uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, our numbers were a little down, but we were still so surprised with how many people did come out. And fortunately, our exhibitors and vendors, they had record years. But typically in years past, we have between 500,000 to 600,000 people that attend the 11-day event. I know it's crazy. And you think to think about little, I say itty bitty plant city, we bring that many people here. And that I feel like that goes back to the 1930s. Like that, the strawberry is still king in the city of plant city. And it's still bringing that many people here to help boost our economy. It's just mind blowing. It is. And now you make me want to look up how many people even live in Plant City. <laughs> if you've got half a million well, It has grown by leaps ascending. and bounds. I honestly, I I want to say it's somewhere between like 30,000 to 40,000 people that actually physically live here. But maybe I'm way off. Maybe it's more like 50. But it's amazing even where our festival is nestled within the city. I mean, we have homes right next to us. There's a school right adjacent to us. And how everybody just rallies together. You don't see things like this anymore. And that's what I think makes the festival so special. It's, it's truly remarkable. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a time capsule. It is. Of course, the strawberry shortcake is the star of the show. But are there any other strawberry dishes that people may not expect? If somebody knows how to make something, with, I mean, you're going to find it here. Anything that has a strawberry, you're going to find it here. Tacos, salsa, sundaes, slushies, um, shaved ice, milkshakes, pancakes, uh, naughty waffles with strawberries in them. I mean, anything you can think of, you can find it here. Uh, our, our vendors work really hard on coming up with the latest and greatest strawberry concoction that's going to get them some screen time. And um, they do it. Kebabs, strawberry kebabs. The Pineberry was a big strawberry kebab this year. They actually took, and I said, okay, I'll eat that. If it's covered in chocolate, I'll, I'll try it like that. But, yeah. <laughs> that's my so. motto. Wow. So you actually had 
the festival during COVID, was there ever a year when it was canceled for weather or just any sort of unexpected event? Or has it happened every single year for the past almost 100 years? The last festival that we had before it was canceled was 1941. And then from 42 to, I believe, 47, there was like a five or six year hiatus there due to the war. And so we did not have the festival during that time. And it was really scary this last year when we were trying to make plans and preparations um, during the pandemic. You know, do we have it? If we do, what kind of modifications and things do we do to help create a safe environment for our guests um, and our volunteers for that matter? And, um, you know, how do we move forward um, to have a successful event? We did ask, you know, really encourage our guests to wear masks, the volunteers and information, our information folks, they were all you know, required to wear masks, but we had a safe event and we're looking forward to March of 2022. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be here before we know it. You mentioned a history book. What's the name of that book? And are there any other resources for people like me who just can't get enough of this information? Yes, it's called the Florida Strawberry Festival. It is available on our website and it has a wealth of information. We also have some exhibits at the festival that if you get to come during the 11-day event, I'll um, tell you a little bit about the festival and its history. So I hope you can come to this year's event. I hope so, see too. see it for yourself firsthand. I know. I've been several times. And if anyone uh, hasn't been, it's definitely worth a, a visit. It's like going back in time almost. It, it's still it current. It, it truly is. The concerts definitely bring it into the present. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. Lecrae, who's a rapper there, you know, but yep. then you get your strawberry shortcake and things that haven't changed. So it's just something for everybody. Is there anything else you want people to know about the festival? Well, you kind of touched on it. It is a, a family-friendly event. We have exhibits, shows, rides, entertainment for the two-year-old to the 92-year-old. We have a great season crowd. We have quite a few senior citizens days, you know, where we would like to honor our more seasoned folks um, that come to the uh, festival. We have a polka day. We like to honor our American heroes. Um, Typically the Wednesday of the festival, we have a, a wonderful honoring American heroes ceremony. We like to feel like we offer a little bit for everyone. So then that way, Um, Everybody has something that they can enjoy, and that includes um, the entertainment. We always like to have some Christian artists and some rock artists and some gospel folks and, you know, just a little bit for everybody. So no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, you can always come to the festival and find something. Jennifer Morgan is a spokeswoman for the Florida Strawberry Festival. This year's event takes place March 3rd to 13th in Plant City. And if you go to the festival, post a pic and tag us on social media. We want to see what you're eating for sure. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Zest Podcast. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Hannah Abdel-Majid. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.